In this episode of the Chain Clinkers Disc Golf Podcast, we sit down with Josh Hofstra from Lone Star Discs to learn more about the company's origins. How did it get started? How has it found so much success so early on? Can it actually compete with the likes of Innova and Discraft? We learn how they were able to sign Nico LaCastro, Emerson Keith, and other key pro players. We find out why their plastic is different and maybe just how it can help you improve your disc golf game. Let's get into it right now. Hey guys, Josh Hofstra here with Lone Star Disc and you are watching the Chain Clankers Podcast. Welcome in everybody to the Chain Clankers Disc Golf Podcast presented by Upper Park Disc Golf, the best disc golf bags in the game. Cannot say enough good things about them. They are the most reliable, durable, will stand the test of time made from environmentally safe and sound products. They are truly the lightest weight, best bags that I've ever carried. I've carried some beefcakes on my back before, and I feel very comfortable wearing these things. I know you guys will too. Make sure to use promo code CLINKERS10 at checkout to save yourself 10% and support the brand, and we highly appreciate your guys' support. Today on the podcast, we are super excited to bring on Josh Hofstra from Lone Star Discs. This is a brand and organization that has made many moves this offseason and is looking to have a huge 20 2023. So we are not only excited to talk a little bit about the sponsored players and their team, but we also want to learn about the company and learn about what the make the discs so great and why you should maybe buy some. So without further ado, Josh, how are we doing tonight, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah. And so let's just kind of start with, you know, first, how did you get involved in disc golf and kind of what led you to Lone Star? Yeah, so uh, it's funny because I, I just checked my Facebook memories, uh, and two years ago today, I had a fat stack of plastic. I'd only been playing for about five months, and uh, I hit the ground running. So I actually found discs in the creek of the local OB waterway from our local course. Uh, was walking the creek with my brothers one day, and I was like, hey, you know, what's that? Oh, it's a disc golf disc, you know, and then one of my brothers says, hey, we should go play. We're very competitive, so... Went out and played my first round of disc golf and uh, fell in love. Instantly got into the sport and uh, dove in headfirst. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I know one of the buddies that I took out initially uh, a couple of years ago. He His entire mission while out there was to find someone's lost disc <laughs> and claim it as his own. <laughs> so uh, I think it did like seven times I brought him out. I think he got one and someone did come back. No name, no number. He was like, this is mine. And I was like, dude, you literally don't play disc golf. I want this disc. This is my disc. You might not make it back to the car if I don't get this disc from you. But the the person came back four holes later and exactly said what the disc was. I was like, bro, you, you got to give that. Yeah, it's, Come actually, on, man. it's actually cool. Uh, I started off with a lot of disc karma because I found about five or six discs. And the ones that had names and numbers on the back of them, I, actually, I didn't know the protocol, right? Never played the sport before. And uh, I, I texted the numbers and said, hey, I found this disc. One was like a first-run nuke. Like first wow. run nuke, like it was actually pretty fresh for having sat in a riverbed for as long as it had. And then another one was um, like a dynamic disc defender. And it's funny because calling the guy whose disc that was lost actually got him back into the sport. And wow, so I started crazy. off with this huge amount of disc karma going right into it. And I think that's kind of helped get me where I'm to today in the sport. So very cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. That's that's really cool to hear. I'm glad that that other person got in. And yeah, I'd be I'd be hot and bothered if I lost a first round nuke. So right. good for you for doing that. So so how do you go from there to getting involved with Lone Star Discs? Take me on that journey. 
Yeah, so uh, I live in the Conroe area, and Lone Star Disc is based out of Conroe, Texas, which is just north of Houston. And so um, I'd actually left a very, very comfortable job. You know, I had a, a company car and all my expenses paid, this and that. I was traveling, you know, the world and doing stuff. And I said, I want to play more disc golf. And so I actually left that job um, to go pursue a career in real estate where I could have more time to play rated rounds and play with my friends. And so uh, ended up shooting some content because I had a little bit of extra free time and uh, Lone Star took notice and they said, hey, you know, you used to be this marketing person for this other company you worked for. Um, maybe you could come and shoot some content for us. And so I actually had a YouTube channel called Huck with Hofstra where I would go out and I would shoot little LSD review videos. I did like a six and a half minute video about glow and why it's important to disc golfers. And from there, they were like, hey, can we bring you on full time? And so that's when I started with Lone Star. Full time was about October of 2022, I believe. Or no, October of 2021. So I've been there for a year and a half. Awesome. That's really cool, man. That's got to be super exciting and, and good on you for taking that leap. I feel like a lot of people are terrified of doing that leap and they'll just be stuck in the same rut day after day after day, never changing anything. So really good on you for doing that. And what is Lone Star Discs? I mean, in your best words, how, how are they originated? How long have they been in the game? What kind of separates them from other manufacturers? Yeah, so the cool part about Lone Star for me um, is it's a family-based company. So I'm used to working in small business, and so uh, the family is operated by the father, Terry, uh, the two sons, Sinjin and Travis Dillard, and then the daughter, Brittany. And all of them on a day-to-day -day basis are constantly working together on ways that we can uh, you know, grow the sport or set up events or just be super efficient uh, in every way while trying to fit in some time to play disc golf. So um, they brought me on, and that's that's been a huge part of, of, of the marketing side for them. They've been around since 2019, and they had eight or nine molds until I started working there. The first two molds that we released while I was there were the Jackrabbit and the Armadillo. And in 2020... One was the first year that the uh, tail end of 2021, beginning of 2022, you can start to see the marketing really come into play where they said, hey, we've existed for two years now. We've pretty much just been making discs for us, um, which is great, right? That's all they cared about was, hey, we're disc golfers, we're amateurs, and we want to make plastic that fits our game. And so th the plastic is really tailored to fit amateur game well, which correlates into the pro side because eventually... We started making discs for pros like the Jackrabbit and overstable beaded putter. So, uh, super cool. Got to see kind of the fruits of our labor come to fruition over the course of the 2022 season where we garnered enough popularity to receive praise and focus and attention from a lot of the pros that were on tour. So, that's kind of where we're at today. It grew from a uh, family-owned and operated business to now we're one of the hottest companies in disc golf. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And the Armadillo is a disc that I know by the time this podcast drops, I'm hoping we have dropped our review of the Armadillo comparing it to the Berg. I have gotten a ton of flack on Instagram for my Berg post. So haters, continue to come at me in the comments because uh, <laughs> once you watch the YouTube video, uh, yeah, I have – not a whole lot of nice things to say about the Berg, but that's just me. And, and the Armadillo, for me personally, 
fit more of that slot. And I, I really like a lot of the qualities that it has. And, and if you like the Berg, but maybe you don't like the field, maybe the Arbonello is something you should try out for sure. But moving on from the Armadillo and kind of more talking about Lone Star Discs, when you joined, you know, you said that a lot of new molds have come out. What has kind of been the, I guess, like, walk me through that process. Like, have you, how much, you know, decision rights or, or impact did you have in making those molds? Or were there any tough times where it's like, ah, maybe we shouldn't go with this mold and you did like kind of walk me through that a little bit so the fun part about working with the dillards is you never know what you're going to get uh i'll just use today as an example uh there is a disc that got shown to our team members today on our team page that hasn't been released yet hasn't been uh barely was thrown i don't even know if one got thrown today with a new stamp like new stamp new foil new disc and it got released to the team I had no idea that this disc, stamp, and foil even existed <laughs> until my boss, Terry Dillard, posted it to our team page. So uh, one of the things that separates us is that we do work in such a rapid fashion. We're not waiting on anybody else's approval. It's up to the Dillards. And so 95% uh, of the discs have been made by the, the, you know, the Dillards basically going out and saying, hey, we need this disc. I would say there's only a handful. The Armadillo, for example, was literally um, one day, you know, Sinjin and I were kind of bored sitting there at work. Work hadn't really picked up to the pace that it's at now, obviously. <laughs> and I said, hey, man, we should we should make a one-speed disc. Those are super fun to throw. He's like, I've never thrown one. And so he threw a one-speed disc. I had several. And he, and he threw one. And he goes, oh, yeah, we need to make one. And so we came up with what we thought would be the best one-speed disc for what we wanted, right? Um, other than that, Terry Dillard is known as the creator. That's his nickname. He comes up with every single disc that we've released um, based on you know, comments from pros or, hey, I think that we should release this. Or even he got into disc golf this year or 2022, last year. The dome, the tumbleweed, all of these understable drivers was him learning disc golf and going, I need something a little bit flippy that's going to glide a long ways, that's going to carry because I'm releasing on a hyzer what have you. So it's been really cool to see not only the discs that we're making for pros, but the discs that we also make for our game, which is amateur. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I think you see a lot of companies tailor specifically just to the pro side. And it's like, well, if you can't throw this 14 speed meat hook, then that's tough. You're going to buy it anyways, because <laughs> right. it has this person's name on it. So that's, that's really interesting. And, and I have kind of noticed that there, uh, at least in the ones that I've looked at have been a little bit more on the understable side, which in theory should be easier for us amateurs to throw. And, and I guess when designing a disc, like how much different is each disc you know it's all maybe the same circumference or diameter like how are you able to tweak those little minute details to get such a difference in flight yeah so obviously we've we've learned from trial and error right so um one of those things the tumbleweed right was was birthed from trying to make a warbird right so trying to make uh, a super long distance 12 speed torque resistant bomber right and all of a sudden it birthed the tumbleweed and we said, oh, oh, this is this is not what we wanted, but this is still great. Right. And so a little bit of trial and error. And then they obviously uh, have a, a big background in disc golf. Travis and Sinjin, the two brothers, have been playing disc golf for, I think, a little over 20 years. Um, so, yeah, they've been in the sport for a while. And so they've thrown enough discs to kind of know what what needs to go where. We've also had some insight from the pros. And uh, again, Terry is 
the the creator. He's the mad genius behind it all. He basically goes, yeah, I took this, uh, you know, warbird, and I tweaked it this way, and now it flies like this. You know, that's how we got the bayonet, was basically going, hey, I, I like the way this flies. Maybe we make something that's a little bit faster, that has a little bit more turn to it uh, for higher arm speeds. So super cool to see what Terry does. I personally have no hand in the disc creation. I'm just the guy that when it comes out, I go, wow, this is really shiny, pretty, and I like the way it throws. Let me go ahead and market this to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if maybe you'd know the answer to this, but do you have any insight as to maybe the like patenting process behind making a disc? You know, like every we've said this on the podcast before. Every company has a destroyer. It's the Zeus, it's the Raider. It doesn't matter what company it is. There's a destroyer there. Is there any, I guess, piece of paper that is preventing you from taking something looking like a destroyer and pretty much copying it and putting a different name on it and a different plastic to make it up? Or is it kind of just a free-for-all out there? Yeah, so our plastic isn't the industry standard. So every time that we've made a disc, if you wanted to try and copy something, there's way too many different aspects, right? How we're injecting plastic, what we're doing in the machine, uh, stuff that is way above my head. So basically, I know for a fact that we couldn't just take something and go, here it is. Here's I want this disc. And you go, well, great. There's still going to have to be modifications and things that we're going to have to do to make this work. So like I said, Terry's the mad genius. I leave that uh, disc design and everything up to him because he knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And so how is the challenge of marketing a new disc compared to an old disc? What I guess what's easier to market for you? So it really depends on who we're trying to reach. Um, and so from from being an amateur, from somebody who I, I know exactly what my people that I'm marketing to are me. So what do I want to see? Um, it's funny because it's easier to market a new disc, but it's harder to explain to people why they need it, right? So in a world full of discs, in a world full of other manufacturers, and it's a competitive market, there's plenty of disc golfers to go around. We have plenty of companies that we work with um, that we don't make that we kind of talk to, and um, we all agree there's there's plenty of piece of the pie, right, for everybody. Uh, but the biggest thing is I go, okay, you know, for example, uh, the Seguin that we're about to release is a 13503, where we have a 13304 or a 13403 already. The difference is I can break it down and go, hey, guys, when I throw this, this is what this does different, right? The Seguin glides farther. It's less overstable. I can trust it in a headwind, and it's going to keep pushing, right? There's there's certain aspects to a new disc that are easier to explain based off of my throw or the, the pro's throw, right? Marketing an old disc, it gets to be fun, right? We get to have fun with it. Once I've explained the, the technical side of it, oh, this disc is a straight-flying fairway driver, and in a headwind it does this, where I go, the armadillo, we're going to release it in... Victor plastic because now it flows some water and you go oh my gosh that's great <laughs> right so uh, the the different aspects of marketing is what keeps things fresh for me I hate being stagnant and that's one of the reasons why I love working at Lone Stars every day is something new Founders plastic is this metal flake plastic that didn't exist three four months ago right and then all of a sudden great now we've got Founders plastic and we're going to release it at our pro shop and I go great we never even thought about doing metal flake plastic and here it is so very cool. Yeah, and I don't know if you have any insight to it, but how 
is, I guess, and, and, you know, you might not, but what is that process of finding new plastics? You know, first off, how would you compare your plastics to maybe some other players in the game, like Innova or Discraft or, or, you know, someone else? Like, how would you be able to compare and contrast plastics? Because I was looking around on your site. I'm not sure if I saw anything. Like, I know DD has the tool where it's, uh, you know, type in whatever disc here and they'll give you some options. I, I don't know if I saw that tool on your guys' website. So, like, how could I be able to compare and contrast some discs from other manufacturers and what I would need to replace it if I was going to get a Lone Star option? Yeah, as of right now, we go based off of flight numbers. That's the current rating system that works for everybody. PDGA sets the standard, and so we kind of follow that trend, right? Uh, The cool part about plastics is they've been doing plastic manufacturing for a long time, Uh, much longer than I've been around, much longer. You know, Terry was was working with plastics for a very, very long time uh, before any of this came about. And so when we go, hey, we need something that's a little stiffer, he goes, okay. I already know what we need to do. Hey, I need something softer. I need something that floats in water, right? Victor Victor Plastic floats in water, and so you don't have to be afraid to run the chains or run that upshot if there's water behind and losing your favorite disc. So the cool part for me is I get to sit back and I let them kind of do that magic behind the scenes, and they come to me and they go, hey, we made a glow plastic. And I go, wow. And they go, yeah, and it'll stay glowing for 30 minutes or longer with one charge. And I go, Fantastic. I don't know how we figured that out, but <laughs> yeah, super cool that I get to uh, receive the end result and, and share it with everybody. Yeah. So is your closet just full of uh, I don't know, hundreds of discs in there? Is, is it hard <laughs> to keep all that stored? So I actually, uh, halfway through last year, we started getting really popular, right? We started taking off and I actually had to tell myself, okay, we're going to limit ourselves to white, yellow, and blue discs because it became a problem where every time we would release a mold, I'm like, this one's cotton candy, or this one, look, it's purple, or this one's black, I gotta have it. And uh, now I've limited my bag to just blue, because even with three color selections, it's easy to just kind of take stuff home. We've got founder's discs that are coming out. Uh, So yeah, I relegate myself to the X out section from now on. I don't try to take from stock. Um, We are selling more discs than we could have ever imagined and we're super thankful for that and in turn that means that the people who work there have to be careful because i can't just go pull five discs off the shelf because they may need those five discs to ship out so it's definitely been a roller coaster i've tried to if i have plastic give it away to ctps or stuff that if if it's not special to me right if it's not a custom stamp or something like that i would rather give it to somebody else who's going to cherish it more than if it just sits in a box yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it for sure. And let's talk a little bit about the sales and the explosion. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, one of the first times that I really started to kind of learn about Lone Star was Chandler Kramer at the European Open, I believe, when he started to get a lot more coverage time. And that was really, I think, one of the first times that I had learned about Lone Star, would that kind of be around the point where you saw maybe a big influx in sales, questions, social media followers, or, or has it just been a kind of a gradual growth over the last couple of years? Yeah, Chandler's definitely been a huge part of that. You know, we're very thankful that we took a chance on Chandler. Um, we met him actually two years ago uh, in October at an event called Throwdown Showdown 3. And, uh, that was in Austin, Texas, and we kind of talked with him. He said, hey, I want to join the team, and so we worked out a deal and got him on the road, and um, that was great. Working with other players like Leah Sinajini. Leah is a rock star. 
She is all over Twitter. She's all over social media. She's constantly sharing the love, making sure people hear about Lone Star. So um, I firmly believe that if it wasn't for those two pros and Tanner Gerard, our other pro that's been with us for about three years now, um, we wouldn't have had nearly the outreach that we have combined with uh, effective marketing. I, I talk about this all the time at work. I say, hey, uh, effective marketing is what we need to focus on. If I can go and instead of just saying, Armadillo, it's a disc and you need it. Everybody's doing that. But if I can actually go out and we go, hey, here's an armadillo only round. Here's like 17 different angles you can throw it on. Like if if it wasn't a passion project and if we didn't enjoy doing it, I don't think anybody would be interested um, because we'd just be another manufacturer. But because we have a family aspect, because we make it fun, uh, I really think that's what separates us from other marketing strategies. Yeah. Have you found any struggles in keeping up with the demand i know for a while you know you look at trilogies a great example Discmania, another example where during the big boom in sales they could not keep up and people would have to wait and and probably would scare some buyers off of going back to them if it takes so long to get the plastic did you have any of those issues yeah so because we use a higher quality material it's a higher standard than what the rest of the standard is um, in our industry, we're able to get the plastic that we need in a timely manner. Uh, the cool part about this is, is again, like I said, plastics manufacturing is what Lone Star Molding, the parent company, has done for a very long time. And so knowing where to get the plastic, knowing our suppliers, already having relationships with them where we go, hey, I need this plastic stat, what can you do for me, um, has been super, super instrumental in getting us where we're at. Uh, we're adding machines as needed. So we've recently added another machine as of, I believe, a month or two ago, um, and we're prepared to add more. So as we grow as a company, we have the room, we have the capability, and uh, we're not looking to slow down anytime soon. So it's very cool. That's an exciting answer. I mean, that excites me that there's not going to be this, well, we're tapped out. Nico right. won a tournament. We can't We can't make any more. Sorry, guys. I think, I think that's very critical to – any kind of competitor coming into the marketplace, especially you know when you have these companies that have been around for 20, 30, 40 years, since the inception of disc golf, I think being able to have that supply is super critical. So it excites me that you are able to have that supply to meet the demand. And, and I want to talk a little bit about the plastic. I mean, maybe just a little bit more as to like why you know, you've thrown other plastics before. <laughs> Maybe just in summation, why should an amateur, newer player, a pro, why should they choose Lone Star over someone else? So one of my favorite things about Lone Star is I found that my discs fly further for longer, right? So uh, other manufacturers that I loved, right, loved these guys, supported them before I came on to Lone Star. Uh, what would happen is I would get a new disc, I would go to the course, I would play one to three rounds, and the disc now flies completely different after hitting a couple trees because I'm an amateur. Uh, being precise and being accurate isn't my forte, right? Uh, whereas with Lone Star, I've had the same Bravo Curl. It's white with a blue stamp. I've hit power lines, trees. Uh, I've hit things in different states, right? Uh, it still flies the same. After over a year of use, after absolutely abusing this plastic, my Bravo Curl still flies the same. And so I, I have never met a single other manufacturer that has that reliability to a testament. And the beauty of that is, if at any point in time I lost that Bravo Curl, I can go replace it on the shelf and it's going to fly exactly the same. That's something that a lot of other manufacturers don't have the capability of doing. 
Yeah, that's humongous. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had a disc where it's just beaten in that perfect level, and maybe you then have five rounds in a row where you just smack a tree. Now it doesn't fly the same, or you lose it, or whatever happens. And now you have to completely replace that mold, and you go buy another one, and it's going to take you a year and a half before you get it back to the place that it was at if it happened to be similar to the run that you had before. So that's, right. that's really interesting because I feel like we've been reviewing discs and we're changing our format of how we review discs for our, our YouTube channel. And, and it is definitely something that's interesting, the out-of-box feel in flight versus one year later. How does this disc still flying? So that, that excites me and that's really interesting. But I, I want to get into – I mentioned Nico's name a little bit earlier. I want to get into how you guys have determined your sponsorships for the 2023 season. And, and we'll just start with Nico. I think Nico LaCastro was one of the – if not the first big-name signing this offseason. What went down with Lone Star and Nico LaCastro? How are you guys able to make that work? Yeah, so it was actually a really cool story. Um, I've looked up to Nico since I started playing disc golf back when he was on Team Westside, right? Um, I loved watching him. I would argue with anybody that he's the most passionate player on tour. This guy loves the sport of disc golf in and out. Every single day he's doing disc golf. Uh, and I can say that because I've hung out with him pretty much every day in the off season. So I've seen it firsthand, and uh, it's everything that I would have hoped it would have been. And uh, he ran into us uh, last year at the Open at Belton, actually, when he was... Uh, doing a, a mixed bag sponsorship and came to us and was just kind of like, hey, you know, I got called over here by Brady, who is Terry Dillard's uh, grandson. And he said, yeah, this this kid called me over here and just kind of wanted to see what you guys had and what you're about. And uh, it turned out really good. So we had great conversation with them. We loaded up a box of discs and said, hey, let us know what you think. And uh, a, a couple of weeks later, maybe a couple months later, he had messaged us and was like, hey, I'd love to, to lock in a deal with you guys. And uh, get something going and maybe we can work together. And at that point, uh, Chandler Kramer's on the rise, right? He's taken off, he goes overseas. Uh, and then obviously the incident happens. And so we reached out to Nico afterwards and just kind of said, Hey, you know, we'd love to open up conversation with you still. We know that there's obviously a suspension that's in play, but, um, you said you like the plastic, feel free to keep in touch. And so we talked with him, uh, over the following months and checked in with him to see how everything was going. And, it's been full steam since uh, since he got on board. Since the announcement, he's been absolutely killing it. He's an ideas guy. He comes up with a hundred thousand different ideas per day, and so trying to make sure that we organize those ideas and effectively communicate them uh, is the biggest joy, honestly, of working with Nico. Is being able to take all those ideas that he has for the sport and put them into action. Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that you were already talking to Nico before the European Open incident and so was still open to working with him after that incident. And I guess what was your decision calculus in being still open with him and then finally pulling the trigger and being like, yes, he has shown us X. Let's do this. Yeah, everybody makes mistakes. I think that's, uh, that's a big thing that everybody kind of either forgets or, or chooses not to look at. I know, especially on a grand stage like that, being videotaped and having to look at yourself every single day for, let's call it six months, right? Very rough. Uh, I can only imagine what was going through his head. He's talked with us privately about it and kind of what was in his thought process. And he was truly apologetic. And so uh, talking with him, sitting down, you know, basically figuring out what the next steps are for him, right, as a, as a person. Not even Nico LaCastro, the disc golfer, but Nico Castro as a person. Um, and just kind of hearing him out. And so I, I really feel like, being able to come alongside him, 
you know, being a company that he can physically be at, physically visit, stay in touch, uh, is huge for us, right? Like I said, we're a family-based company, we're a family-run company, and so to be able to come alongside Nico and just go, hey, you know, uh, we got your back. Things get rough on the road. We understand. You know, staying in your mental headspace and keeping a positive attitude is the number one way to do this. And he's he agrees 100%. He's on board again. Nico, when he's in it, he's in it, man. I'll, I'll take Nico 10 times out of 10 over anybody. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah. If Nico is playing disc golf at the level that he has historically played at, you can pencil him in for winning at least one tournament a year. 100%. And even at at the age he's at now, you can pencil him in for one tournament. At some point during the series, he's going to find a way to get a W or get very close to and be on on a lead card, be on multiple lead cards. Mm -hmm. So is he locked in for just 2023 or is he locked in for 2023 and beyond? Yeah, so basically the way that we do our contracts is is we make it so that you're not just limited to one year. So each year you're able to sit down and renegotiate your contract. Um, like I said, we truly believe in individuals as a whole. So um, we would be remiss if we said, hey, Nico, you went out and you won eight DGPT events this year. And you go, we're going to pay you the same as we're going to pay you next year. You go, well, no, like yeah. you've earned it. Like let's talk about pay. Let's kind of negotiate the contract year to year so that it makes it easier for everybody. Uh, to feel like everybody's getting a fair shake in the deal, because the the disc golf season is very long. You know, we're we're talking. I talked with Chandler Kramer and Robert Burge today, and they're like, "Yeah, we got like eight weeks of straight disc golf with like one weekend off, and then another eight weeks of straight disc golf." I was like, oh, "Okay, like it's it's a grind. You got to be a road warrior to go out there." And so, staying in contact with these guys, making sure everybody's got what they need to be successful, is my number one priority right now. So. Yeah, that's really interesting, and and I almost wonder if that puts you as a company, Lone Star, not necessarily in the driver's seat, but it almost limits your risk to signing a player for four years and maybe year one. It's like, oh, my God, this is one of the highest-paid disc golfers, and we have made a mistake. How are we financially going to be able to recover from this when we have three years left on this deal do you get that feeling at all, or is it just, hey, no, all positive, like we, you know, whatever happens, happens. If we have to end up paying you more next year, I hope we do, because that means we're getting more coming in. 100%. Like I said, family-run business. Uh, everything that I've seen, before they even have pros, right, just the people that work there, it's a very similar situation where it's like, hey, like, we want people that are on fire for the company. All the pros that are on our team right now sought us out. Right. We didn't go knocking on the door and say, hey, we need you on our team. Right. They came to us and they said, hey, we like what you guys got. We like your plastic. Like we want to be a part of that. Um, 
that's a huge part of what makes Lone Star what it is. We're a passion project, right? Lone Star wouldn't have started. Travis Dillard, if Travis Dillard never played disc golf and never got behind the reins of this thing and said, I want to make some molds, um, this would have never started. And so we're firm believers in that of, hey, you work for me this year. You work hard this year. Let's talk about next year. Let's sit down and do it. Obviously, yes, um, there's other sides of it where you can go, oh, I'm injured this year or something happened or I just don't want to play disc golf anymore. We've seen a lot of pros backing out after going on tour and realizing it is grueling being out there. Hey, maybe disc golf's not right for me. And so preparing ourselves that way and preparing the players to talk and say, hey, you can be open with us. We're not going to lock you in. We've heard some horror stories. Um, the people I've talked to this year, again, from an AM side, from two and a half years in disc golf, the people that I had the opportunity to sit down on the phone with and talk for hours about contracts or wanting to come play for us um, was astounding and also heartbreaking to hear what they're going through uh, on their end dealing with their contracts. So, yeah, we're trying to do things a little bit different because we want to make sure everybody's comfortable. That's that's good to hear. That's definitely good to hear, especially I can think of a company or two who I would put good money that they do not think that way. And that kind of leads me to you said that the players you signed this year sought you out. Mm -hmm. Another one that comes to mind for me is Emerson Keith, who, you know, Latitude 64, he's got that Bruins disc. You know, this is someone who... I was very surprised when I heard that he was moving on. So you're telling me that he saw you guys out, and I, I imagine you were over the moon hearing that kind of information. Let me tell you, the first in-the-bag video that I ever watched was Emerson Keith. And so when Emerson Keith comes up to the booth and he's just kind of like, hey, like I've heard some rumors about you guys. I'm just looking to like hear what you guys are all about and after sitting down and talking with him I didn't think anything of it right I didn't think we'd ever get Emerson Keith on the team and so when he approached us as as you know as time went on and as the season started winding down and he started hanging out more he became more of a friend right he'd just come around hey how you guys doing just checking in you know seeing what's up and blah 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 and um really started hitting stuff off with him and uh, always been a big fan right always been a big fan of him uh love latitude stuff and so to have the opportunity to bring him on, he's a Texas boy, represents himself well, uh, well-dressed, clean cut. He's a competitor too. Shot his entire in the bag video in one take. <laughs> like, nice. I That's was, awesome. I was very, very pleased to have Emerson on the team. Um, he does a really, really good job at representing himself and representing our brand. So it's, I'm super pumped to have him on the team this year. Yeah, I have not. We have not had the opportunity to interview him on our show. We would absolutely love to, but I mean, he seems like an outstanding guy, and I, I think he's going. He's he's a great addition because I feel as though you're going to get a little bit of consistency with him out on the pro tour. He's you know he's going to put his name in the hat to win a couple of times, and maybe he'll sneak one through for sure. And and that's just amazing to hear because I the other two names that come to my mind are the carries AJ and uh, oh my Deanna. gosh uh, Deanna yes. Mm-hmm. Um, joining the team as well and you know kind of getting a little bit of those stepping stones on the fpo side as well and continuing to build that team up what would you say are your expectations for this lone star discs team do you see this team like let's say i don't know how much you've watched f1 before but you know they've got two drivers and that's the manufacturer and they get a manufacturers and a constructors championship right if you said Lone Star Discs out of the you know top five, six, seven, however many manufacturers you want to put there, where do you think your team ranks 
amongst the other ones. Well, you know, after watching a, a, a podcast of a competing show and they put us number nine in the power rankings, I personally believe we're top five. Um, we've got yeah. two 950 and above FPO players in Lisa Fakus and Deanne Carey. Leah Sinagini is climbing the ranks. That girl is out there grinding. Her rating has skyrocketed from last year, um, and she's got that fire lit inside her. She's posting up some workout videos and stuff like that. So um, those three girls, they're going to go out and kill it this year. Um, they're all veterans to the tour. They've all done it before. They all know what it takes to be there, right? Uh, the other side of this is team bonding, right? So you've got Nicola Castro, Emerson Keith, Robert Burge, Chandler Kramer, AJ, you know, I mean, you name it, all these guys who are going out on tour together, they've got each other's back. I don't think we're going to have any of the uh, F1 problems where, you know, Ferrari's mm -hmm. fighting themselves <laughs> and taking themselves yeah. out before the race finishes, you know. Uh, a, a perfect example of that was this weekend was a B-tier at the Hideaway Open, which is kind of the kickoff for Texas Disc Golf for the year. And we finished with a first place and two tied for second places. And you go, watching the video of them playing together, Chandler Kramer's grabbing Emerson Keith's disc out of the basket. Hey, here you go, man. Hey, great drive. Yeah, get under the basket. It's so cool for me to see that camaraderie because um, it's something that I've instilled in them too is just going, hey, we're a team, right? If you don't get along with one of your team members, we're going to put you in one of those get-along shirts until you guys figure it out. <laughs> and then we're going to come out on top because it's all about us, right? It's something bigger than ourselves. And that's definitely something I preach to them. Yeah, I love that attitude. It's it's something that I think disc golf needs more of. And I know we've pushed on our podcast many times. There needs to be some sort of a manufacturer's cup or, yes. or something that gives the manufacturers a spotlight and a reason to want to build a competitive team, right? Because if we look at someone like Discraft, who's like, hey, I don't care how much it costs. I'm just going to buy my way to a championship. <laughs> And maybe they all hate each other over there. Maybe none of them like each other. And maybe that kind of lowers them down in the rank where you see a team who's, who's uh, a great example since you know we're in Wichita, Kansas. A great example for me is the Kansas City Royals when they won the World Series. This right. is a ragtag team who was coming in, had to beat. I don't think the Yankees made the playoffs that year. <laughs> no, they never but, do. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, the Yankees stink. I remember growing up as a child and being like, I hate the Yankees so much. They win every single World Series. Why am I even watching baseball? It doesn't matter anymore. And, and uh, you know, they had to beat the Oakland Athletics. And it was like, oh, my gosh, here we go. In the final inning, we get something to make it happen. Like, this, that was a team that just was, had each other's back. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a long way for having fun on the course. And if you're having fun on the course – you play better. I mean, you don't play good when you are mad about someone on your card or, or someone about your team. You're like, oh, my gosh, I have to get in the car with this dude for eight hours after this. And I, that's truly the last person on earth that I want to see right now. And so I, kudos to you, man. I think that's awesome. I think that's something that's really good for uh, you know looking into players. And I kind of want to spin that now onto the amateur side. Mm -hmm. How many amateurs do you have on on? team Lone Star this year? Uh, I want to say it's 700 total, and that's between three different brackets of amateurs. What led you to doing that many? I feel like that's a ton. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, off base there, but is that more than the market standard or average? So it's crazy. Um, if you look at, I'll, I'll just name a couple examples. So like Prodigy's street team, you've got Dynamic Disc Squad program, those are all massive programs that are much bigger than ours. But it's funny because 
our numbers are pretty much public, right? We don't hide anything. Honesty is the best policy. And so Agreed. going out and going, hey, uh, we've got 700 team members on our, on, our, on our Ranger team, on our tournament team, and on our Founders team. And people go, 700? That's absolutely insane. And I go, it's nothing. It doesn't hold a candle to what these other manufacturers are doing. The difference is people are starting to see the level of quality that we're bringing to the amateur side. And they're going, that level of quality with 700 people is insane, Right. Um, we've, we've had a bunch of people go, well, they're not getting anything to join the team or anything like that. And it's, it's the polar opposite. Like I said, we've really developed a family, right? Uh, if I go, Hey, Ranger team or Hey, founders or tournament, all you guys were getting together for a team invitational. We rented out a private course here called Spring Valley Disc Golf and invited every single member of the team to come out and play a free round, right? So you get a part two event. And then we had the finesse course all lined out. Uh, we had two food trucks show up. We had our full vendor village. We had all of our pros there. Like, it's an insane time. Got to meet a bunch of people that, you know, hey, I flew in from California. I flew in from Wisconsin. We almost had someone from Hawaii fly in. We're big on family, right? We're big on getting everybody together and having a good time because that's what the sport's about. And so people are taking notice. So 700 may not be the largest AM team out there, but we're definitely the most passionate team out there. I can say that for a fact. Yeah, and I really think that that honesty is the best policy is very true for the growth of disc golf overall, yes. right? If we are all secretive about our numbers and and not being forthcoming, I think that limits the growth potential because think about it. If you're a new player and you've been playing for six months, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Maybe I could go pro or, you know, maybe I just want to get sponsored so that way I can, you know, rep someone and all that. You know, I think new players are like, I, I have to be sponsored or I suck at disc golf. No. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be sponsored, guy. Trust me. Yes. It, it will be okay. You are good at disc golf. You got this, champ. But it, it's one of those things where – I think when teams are a little bit Jekyll and Hyde yes. on what they're doing, it limits the amount that someone wants to try and their motivation is lowered because what's the point of trying if you have absolutely no chance of making it? 100%. Yeah, and I think that's that was the big thing for us is um, I've, I've been enrolled in other programs, right, and I've seen what I've gotten, and I was like, man, that kind of sucked. Like you guys basically just used me for making money, right? Um, there was no team aspect. There wasn't like, Hey, let's get together this weekend and we'll all meet up and go play together. It was always about like me as an individual, not us as a whole. And so one of the things that we've really tried to cultivate is that team mentality, right? Even the pros where we're like, Hey, we're going to be out at a local course over here where they do glow every Tuesday is called Zuby. We're going to be out at Zuby with Chandler Kramer and Robert Burge. They're going to be set up selling their tour series disc. Y'all come get your pictures taken. Like we're going to have everybody out. And so what, we always want to give back to the community because the community has always given back to us. The support that we receive from our local community is what got us off the ground initially, and it's what's going to keep us in the air moving forward. So we might as well reach to other communities outside of Houston, right, which is where the whole Ranger team idea came from, and work with those communities. We have so many passionate team members that love this sport, love giving back, and I couldn't be happier, right? It was the best decision I think we've ever made to have a large team uh, and give it this level of quality to show, honestly, the disc golf world what not only Lone Star is capable of, but us as a sport is capable of. Yeah, I, I love that, man. So what does it look like as a – I mean, maybe you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but what are the benefits of being a – maybe benefits and requirements of being on Team Lone Star as an amateur? Yeah, so we just require that you're PDGA active, so you have a PDGA number. 
Um, we don't require that you play a number of tournaments or anything crazy like that. So for our Ranger team member, if you're PDG active, if you have social media, if you love sharing the sport of disc golf with people, we invited everybody to apply. We had like 2,000 applicants, and we ended wow. up having to cut it down to around 600. And uh, we always invite people to reapply, right? There's always either a reason, hey, I didn't have my PDGA number. Oh, I don't have social media, you know. The social media side obviously is to obviously help us market, but at the same time, if you don't have social media, how am I supposed to get you together with other Ranger team members so you guys can meet each other and kind of like work on things together? Um, there's a lot of sections. We even have a, I'm big into Rocket League. I play a lot of video games. And uh, so we have a Team Lone Star Disc Rocket League club and a Team Lone Star nice. Disc Rocket League Facebook page. And so that's a huge thing for me is getting everybody together and having community and fellowship and doing that. So, um, yes. So that was one of the huge factors in the Ranger team is, are you friendly? Do you get along with disc golfers? Do you have social media, right? Tournament team, uh, 975 rated and above guys. Those are the guys that are going out. Maybe they're not on the tour because they haven't cracked that thousand and up rating yet where you need to, to get entry into these events, but you're on the, you're on the rise. You're on the grind. You're going out there. Um, so 975 rating and above PDJ active, and uh, that's a 100% bag requirement. The Ranger, we put 90% on it. We'd assumed if you're going to join our team, you're probably already bagging a couple molds, right? Um, and I've actually heard of some major success stories from guys that they were like, yeah, I had like a 70% bag. And then I decided to just, hey, I'm on Ranger team. I might as well just go 100%. And they're like, I've never shot better because all the plastic I'm throwing is from the same manufacturer. So I know if a, if a Lariat's a 9.5 negative 1.1 and I'm throwing a Ranger that's a 5.5 negative 1.1, these guys are rating their numbers the same in-house, so I know exactly how this is going to fly, and I know what the plastic does for me. And I'm like, that's great. I, I couldn't be happier about that, right? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like an argument to doing a mixed bag is you get the best from every single company, but you bring up a good point of the flight numbers. What could be a 4403 for Lone Star could actually maybe be a 5 three negative one two right. for another company i mean that's not good math right? right but you know it could be something completely different you know what a raptor and uh i don't know uh <laughs> a chupacabra could be completely different from each other flight number wise but maybe they fly the exact yep. same again bad example but hopefully you guys are getting the overall point that even, i'm trying to even make here. think at a molecular level the feeling of of i'm gonna throw alpha or bravo plastic every single time i know what snap i need i know how much spin i can put on it right if I go from that to another manufacturer's plastic that's completely different, I'm not I'm not getting that same not you know comfortability, but essentially efficiency in your throw. You go, I know exactly what this is going to do because this is exactly how it felt in my hand when I threw it the last time, right? So I, I love it. I like I said, I, the, I love seeing others succeed, and so far bringing these people into the family into Lone Star Disc and seeing them succeed has been one of the biggest joys of my life. That's awesome, man. And so uh, one more question kind of on the sponsorships. Mm -hmm. When you were looking at those 600 applicants, I know you had kind of talked about being friendly, having social media, but what were maybe three things that stood out the most that made you be like, yes, this person has to be on the team? So if I'm someone who's applying for Team Lone Star in 2024, what are three things that would set me apart? Uh, number one is being active on social media. Uh, I went through and <laughs> went through every single application by hand. I clicked on everybody's links. I saw how they were interacting with the community. Um, some people didn't make the cut because they were straight up rude, right? You go, hey, 
you know, I saw this post that you made, and, and instead of helping this guy out, you kind of shut him down. And so, you know, we're going to have to pass for this year. Um, we want people that represent our company well. There's a lot of people out there that have a lot of passion, right? And we've seen that. Making sure that everybody's on the right path together and has the same uh, mental process moving forward, right? If we're all on the same page moving forward, then there's nothing that can stop us. And so aligning yourself with Lone Star's values is the second thing, right? Uh, so I made our core values and I put them up on our FAQ and downloads page or our about us page online and kind of going through and you just go, okay, uh, integrity, right? Going through and making sure, hey, uh, you're not on buy, sell trade pages trying to scam people, right? You're not on, <laughs> you're not going to, to minis and playing in MA4 when you're 900 rated, right? Um, a lot of that stuff is, is integral to the growth of the sport. And then the third thing is, is honestly just seeing what events you've played you go hey if you're playing the same events you go yeah I'm, I'm just go to the same weekly mini and you go that's great that's no problem um you're being active in your community and that's what matters right so seeing people uh repetition right every thursday we have a, a thursday uh mini that lone star hosts and so you go okay i see you out there every thursday at your mini hey how's it going you know yeah oh uh, how's the wife and kids or whatever you can kind of see where people start to build a repetition and where um, a lot of people f get involved in the sport is the is number one biggest thing. If if you go out and you go, yeah, I played six events last year, and you go, yeah, well, did you do you do you go out and how how are you uh, building up your community, right? Are you going out? If I can go on your page and I see that you're going out there for work days at your local course, or if you're volunteering your time or all that stuff, it goes a huge way with us because we know that those are people that we want to be ambassadors for our company because that's what we're about as well. You heard it here first, folks. If if you want to increase your chances of being on Team Lone Star, you gotta you gotta be a good person. You gotta have that integrity. You gotta have some social media. Hey, it does. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, yeah, hey, you have to have six thousand Instagram followers, no, no. right? I mean, <laughs> it's just how do you carry yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Think about this for yourself when you're applying. Maybe it's Lone Star. Maybe it's elsewhere. If you were the business, could you look yourself in the mirror and be like, what can I provide them? If you can't come up with a whole lot, I wouldn't set your expectations to the moon, right? Right. I mean, honestly, what can I do for the sport? I know we're not like a lot of other companies. Um, I, I often, when people ask me what my thoughts are about the industry, I kind of go, well, it's real clicky, right? So certain manufacturers are more jocks. Some are more band geeks. Some are more this, that, and the other, right? Uh, and that's why I always bring up the term family a lot. When people join Team Lone Star, they really feel like they're a part of something bigger. They go, hey... I'm connected now with all these people. All of our pros said the same thing. Uh, Nico came into town after his signing, and we went out to a local mini, and he's like, the love that I've received from the people in Texas after everything that's happened has been massive for my mental health, massive for my passion for the sport and getting back into it. And so um, that's huge to me. Like I said, I've, I've said it 100 times. This is all a passion project. You know, We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our passion for the sport. So if you want to join Team Lone Star, you got to be passionate. If you're just out there being lukewarm, get better, and maybe you'll make it onto another team. Right? That's amazing. I, lo I love that response. That's good. No, no, that's good. That's good. You want, you want the people who are going to have that passion behind you and, and repping your brand. I absolutely love that. Josh, this was so much fun. I'm glad that we were able to learn a lot more about Lone Star Discs and about your own personal journey. Where can people continue to connect with you and Lone Star Discs? Yeah, so you guys can check us out on Instagram and Facebook as Lone Star Disc. Check out our YouTube channel. It is growing at a rapid rate. We've actually added 2,000 subscribers in the past 30 days. 
Uh, our videos are averaging around 20,000 views, and we're always updating fresh content weekly, so swing by our YouTube. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. If you need to get a hold of us, you can email us at info at LoneStarDisc.com. We love seeing you guys out there throwing that Lone Star plastic, and thank you so much for stopping by Chain Clankers Podcast and spending time with us today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us. Hopefully you guys learned a lot in this episode. I know I sure as heck did, and we will see you guys next week. See ya.